0: Chapter three point thirty part one of Personal Narrative of Travels to the Equinoctial Regions of America during the years seventeen ninety nine to eighteen oh four, volume three by Alexander von Humboldt translated by Thomasina Ross. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter three point thirty Part one Passage from Trinidad to Cuba to Rio Sinu Cartagena Air Volcanoes of Turbaco canal of mahates on the morning of the seventeenth of march we came within sight of the most eastern island of the group of the lesser caymans comparing the reckoning with the chronometric longitude i ascertained that the currents had borne us in seventeen hours twenty miles westward the island is called by the english pilots cayman brack and by the spanish pilots cayman chico oriental it forms a rocky wall bare and steep toward the south and southeast the north and northwest part is low sandy and scantily covered with vegetation the rock is broken into narrow horizontal ledges from its whiteness and its proximity to the island of cuba i suppose it to be of jura limestone we approached the eastern extremity of cayman Brac within the distance of four hundred toises the neighbouring coast is not entirely free from danger and breakers yet the temperature of the sea had not sensibly diminished at its surface the chronometer of Louis Bertou gave me eighty two degrees seven minutes thirty seven seconds for the longitude of the eastern cape of Cayman Brac. The latitude reduced by the reckoning on the rums of wind at the meridian observation appeared to me to be nineteen degrees forty minutes fifty seconds. As long as we were within sight of the rock of Cayman Brac, sea turtles of extraordinary dimensions swam round our vessel the abundance of these animals led columbus to give the whole group of the Caymans the name of Penascalis de las tortugas rocks of the turtles our sailors would have thrown themselves into the water to catch some of these animals but the numerous sharks that accompanied them rendered the attempt too perilous the sharks fixed their jaws on great iron hooks which were flung to them these hooks were very sharp and for want of anzuelos and fish-hooks with chains they were tied to cords the sharks were in this manner drawn up half the length of their bodies and we were surprised to see that those which had their mouths wounded and bleeding continued to seize the bait over and over again during several hours Vitimus quoque squales quoties conque homo icti dimidia parte corporis efflectibus extra habantur cito alvo stercus emiteri hod absimile caninus, come of a bat intestina, ut arbitrumer subitus parver. Although the form and number of teeth change with age, and the teeth appear successively in the shark genus, I doubt whether Don Antonio Ulloa be correct in stating that the young sharks have two, and the old ones four rows of grinders. These, like many other sea-fish, are easily accustomed to live in fresh water, or in water slightly briny. It is observed that sharks, tiburones, abound of late in the laguna of maracabo whither they have been attracted by the dead bodies thrown into the water after the frequent battles between the spanish royalists and the colombian republicans End of note. at the sight of these voracious fish the sailors in a spanish vessel always recollect the local fable of the coast of venezuela which describes the benediction of a bishop as having softened the habits of the sharks which are everywhere else the dread of mariners do these wild sharks of the port of la Guaira specifically differ from those which are so formidable in the port of the havana and do the former belong to the group of emisoles with small sharp teeth which cuvier distinguishes from the melandrus by the name of mustelli the wind freshened more and more from the southeast as we advanced in the direction of cape negril and the western extremity of the great bank of la vibora we were often forced to diverge from our course and, on account of the extreme smallness of our vessel we were almost constantly under water on the eighteenth of march at noon we found ourselves in latitude eighteen degrees seventeen minutes forty seconds and in forty-one degrees fifty minutes longitude the horizon to the height of fifty degrees was covered with those reddish vapours so common within the tropics and which never seemed to affect the hygrometer at the surface of the globe we passed fifty miles west of cape negril on the south nearly at the point where several charts indicate an insulated flat of which the position is similar to that of sancho pardo opposite to cape san antonio de cuba we saw no change in the bottom it appears that the rocky shoal at a depth of four fathoms near cape negril has no more existence than the rock cascabel itself long believed to mark the western extremity of la vibora pedro bank portland rock or la sola marking the eastern extremity On the 19th of March, at four in the afternoon, the muddy colour of the sea denoted that we had reached that part of the bank of La Vibora, where we no longer find fifteen, and indeed scarcely nine or ten, fathoms of water. Our chronometric longitude was 81 degrees 3 minutes, and our latitude probably below 17 degrees. I was surprised that, at the noon observation, at seventy degrees 7 minutes of latitude, we yet perceived no change in the colour of the water spanish vessels going from Batabano or trinidad to cuba to Cartagena usually pass over the bank of la vibora on its western side at between fifteen and sixteen fathoms of water the dangers of the breakers begin only beyond the meridian of eighty degrees forty-five minutes west longitude in passing along the bank on its southern limit as pilots often do in proceeding from cumana or other parts of the mainland to the great cayman or cape san antonio they need not ascend along the rocks, above 16 degrees 47 minutes latitude. Fortunately, the currents run, on the whole bank, to southwest. Considering La Vibora not as a submerged land, but as a heaved-up part of the surface of the globe, which has not reached the level of the sea, we are struck at finding on this great submarine island, as on the neighboring land of Jamaica and Cuba, the loftiest heights toward its eastern boundary. In that direction are situated Portland Rock, pedro keys and south key all surrounded by dangerous breakers the depth is six or eight fathoms but in advancing to the middle of the bank along the line of the summit first toward the west and then toward the northwest the depth becomes successively ten twelve sixteen and nineteen fathoms when we survey on the map the proximity of the high lands of san domingo cuba and jamaica in the neighbourhood of the windward channel the position of the island of navaza and the bank of Hormigas between Capes Tiburon and Morant, when we trace that chain of successive breakers from the Vibora by Bajo Nuevo, Saranía, and Quitas Sueno, as far as the Mosquito sound, we cannot but recognize in this system of islands and shoals the almost-continued line of a heaved-up ridge running from northeast to southwest. This ridge, and the old dike which link by the rock of San Pardo cape san antonio to the peninsula of Yucatan divide the great sea of the west indies into three partial basins similar to those observed in the mediterranean the colour of the troubled waters on the shoal of la vibora has not a milky appearance like the waters in the jardinillos and on the bank of bahama but is of a dirty grey colour the striking differences of tint on the bank of newfoundland in the archipelago of the bahama islands and on la the variable quantities of earthy matter, suspended in more or less troubled waters of the soundings, may all be the effects of the variable absorption of the rays of light, contributing to modify to a certain point the temperature of the sea. Where the shoals are eight to ten degrees colder at their surface than the surrounding sea, it cannot be surprising that they should produce a local change of climate. A great mass of very cold water, as on the bank of Newfoundland, in the current of the peruvian shore between the port of callao and punta parina note i found the surface of the pacific ocean in the month of october 1802 on the coast of trujillo fifteen point eight degrees centigrade in the port of callao in november fifteen point five between the parallel of callao and punta parina in december nineteen degrees and progressively when the current advanced toward the equator and receded toward the west-northwest, twenty point five and twenty-two point three degrees, end of note, or in the African current near Cape Verde, have necessarily an influence on the atmosphere that covers the sea and on the climate of the neighboring land. But it is less easy to conceive that those slight changes of temperature, for instance, a centesimal degree on the bank of La vibora can impart a peculiar character to the atmosphere of the shoals. May not these submarine islands act upon the formation and accumulation of the vesicular vapours in some other way than by cooling the waters of the surface? Quitting the bank of La Vibora, we passed between the Bajo Nuevo and the lighthouse of Camboy, and on the 22nd March we passed more than thirty leagues to the westward of El Roncador, the snorer, a name which this shoal has received from the pilots who assert, on the authority of ancient traditions, that a sound like snoring is heard from afar. If such a sound be really heard, it arises, no doubt, from a periodical issuing of air compressed by the waters in a rocky cavern. I have observed the same phenomenon on several coasts, for instance, on the promontories of Tenerife, in the limestones of the Havana, called by the Spanish sailors El Condorazo de San Francisco, and in the granite of lower Peru, between Trujillo and Lima. A project was formed in the Canary Islands for placing a machine at the issue of the compressed air and allowing the sea to act as an impelling force. When the autumnal equinox is everywhere dreaded in the sea of the West Indies, except on the coast of Cumaná and Caracas, the spring equinox produces no effect on the tranquility of those tropical regions, a phenomenon almost the inverse of that observable in high latitudes. Since we had quitted La Vibora, the weather had been remarkably fine. The color of the sea was indigo blue and sometimes violet, owing to the quantity of medusae and eggs of fish, purga de mar, which covered it. Its surface was gently agitated. The thermometer kept up in the shade from 26 to 27 degrees. Not a cloud arose on the horizon, although the wind was constantly north or north-northwest. I know not whether to attribute this wind, which cools the higher layers of the atmosphere and then produces icy crystals, to the halos which were formed round the moon two nights successively, the halos were of small dimensions, forty-five degrees diameter. I never had an opportunity of seeing and measuring any of which the diameter had attained ninety degrees. Note: In Captain Perry's first voyage, halos were measured round the sun and moon, of which the rays were twenty-two and one-half degrees, twenty-two degrees fifty-two minutes, thirty-eight degrees, forty-six degrees. Northwest Passage eighteen twenty one end of note the disappearance of one of those lunar halos was followed by the formation of a great black cloud from which fell some drops of rain but the sky soon resumed its fixed serenity and we saw a long series of falling stars and bolides which moved in one direction and contrary to that of the wind of the lower strata on the twenty third march a comparison of the reckoning with the chronometric longitude indicated the force of a current bearing towards west southwest its swiftness in the parallel of 17 degrees, was 20 to 22 miles in 24 hours. I found the temperature of the sea somewhat diminished. In latitude 12 degrees 35 minutes, it was only 25.9 degrees. Air, twenty-seven point zero degrees. During the whole day, the firmament exhibited a spectacle which was thought remarkable even by the sailors, and which I had observed on a previous occasion. June thirteenth, 1799. There was a total absence of clouds even of those light vapors called dry yet the sun colored with a fine rosy tint the air and the horizon of the sea towards night the sea was covered with great bluish clouds and when they disappeared we saw at an immense height fleecy clouds in regular spaces and ranged in convergent bands their direction was from north-northwest to south-south-east or more exactly north twenty degrees west consequently contrary to the direction of the magnetic meridian on the twenty fourth march we entered the gulf which is bounded on the east by the coast of santa marta and on the west by costa rica for the mouth of the magdalena and that of the rio san juan de nicaragua are on the same parallel nearly eleven degrees latitude the proximity of the pacific ocean the configuration of the neighboring lands the smallness of the isthmus of panama the lowering of the soil between the gulf of papageo and the port of san juan del nicaragua the vicinity of the snowy mountains of Santa Marta, and many other circumstances too numerous to mention, combine to create a peculiar climate in this gulf. The atmosphere is agitated by violent gales known in winter by the name of Presotes de Santa Marta. When the wind abates, the currents bear to north-east, and the conflict between the slight breezes from east and north-east, and the current renders the sea rough and agitated. In calm weather, the vessels going from cartagena to rio Signo, at the mouth of the atrato and at portobello are impeded in their course by the currents of the coast the heavier brisote winds on the contrary govern the movement of the waters which they impel in an opposite direction toward west It is the latter movement which major brunel in his great hydrographic work calls drift and he distinguishes it from real currents which are not owing to the local action of the wind but to differences of level in the surface of the ocean, to the rising and accumulation of waters in very distant latitudes. The observations which I have collected on the force and the direction of the winds, on the temperature and rapidity of the currents, on the influence of the seasons, or the variable declination of the sun, have thrown some light on the complicated system of those pelagic floods that furrow the surface of the ocean but it is less easy to conceive the causes of the change in the movement of the waters at the same season and with the same wind. Why is the Gulf Stream sometimes born on the coast of Florida, sometimes on the border of the Shoal of Bahama? Why do the waters flow for the space of whole weeks, from the Havana to Matanzas, and, to cite an example of the Corriente por Arriba, which is sometimes observed in the most eastern part of the mainland, during the prevalence of gentle winds from Naguaira to cape codera and cumana as we advanced on the twenty fifth of march toward the coast of darien the north-east wind increased with violence we might have imagined ourselves transported to another climate the sea became very rough during the night yet the temperature of the water kept up from latitude ten degrees thirty minutes to nine degrees forty seven minutes at twenty five point eight degrees We perceived at sunrise a part of the archipelago of St. Bernard, which closes the Gulf of Morosquillo on the north. It is composed of the islands Mucara, Cesen, Maravilla, Tintipan, Panda, Palma, Mangles, and Salamanquilla, which rise little above the sea. Several of them have the form of a bastion. There are two passages in the middle of this archipelago, from 17 to 20 fathoms large vessels can pass between the isla panda and tintipan and between the isla mangles and palma end of note. a clear spot between the clouds enabled me to take the horary angles the chronometer at the little island of mucara gave longitude seventy eight degrees thirteen minutes fifty-four seconds we passed on the southern extremity of the placer to san bernardo the waters were milky though a sounding of twenty-five fathoms did not indicate the bottom The cooling of the water was not felt doubtless owing to the rapidity of the current above the archipelago of st bernard and cape boqueron we saw in the distance the mountains of tigua the stormy weather and the difficulty of going up against the wind induced the captain of our frail vessel to seek shelter in the rio sinu or rather near the punta del zapote situated on the eastern bank of the ensenada de cispata into which flows the river sinu or the zenu of the early Conquistadors it rained with violence and i availed myself of that occasion to measure the temperature of the rainwater it was twenty six point three degrees while the thermometer in the air kept up in a place where the bulb was not wet at twenty four point eight degrees this result differed much from that we had obtained at Cumana, where the rainwater was often a degree colder than the air as within the tropics, it takes but little time to collect some inches of water in a vase having a wide opening, and narrowing toward the bottom, I do not think there can be any error in the observation when the heat of the rainwater differs from that of the air. If the heat of the rainwater be less than that of the air, it may be presumed that only a part of the total effect is observed. I often found at Mexico, at the end of June, the rain at 19.2 or 19.4 degrees, when the air was at 17.8 and 18 degrees. In general, it appeared to me that, within the torrid zone, either at the level of the sea, or on tablelands from 1,200 to 1,500 toises high, there is no rain but that during storms, which falls in very large drops, very distant from each other, and is sensibly colder than the air. These drops bring with them, no doubt, the low temperature of the high regions. In the rain, which I found hotter than the air, two causes may act simultaneously. Great clouds heat by the absorption of the rays of the sun which strike their surface, and the drops of water, in falling, cause an evaporation and produce cold in the air. The temperature of rainwater, to which I devoted much attention during my travels, has become a more important problem since Monsieur Boisgiraud, professor of experimental philosophy at Poitiers has proved that in Europe, rain is generally sufficiently cold relative to the air to cause precipitation of vapour at the surface of every drop. From this fact, he traces the cause of the unequal quantity of rain collected at different heights. When we recollect that one degree only of cooling precipitates more water in the hot climate of the tropics than by a temperature of 10 to 13 degrees, we may cease to be surprised at the enormous size of the drops of rain that fall at Cumaná, Cartagena, and Guayaquil. End of note. Our passage from the island of Cuba to the coast of South America terminated at the mouth of the Rio Sinio, and occupied sixteen days. The roadstead near the Punta del Zabote afforded very bad anchorage, and in a rough sea, and with a violent wind, we found some difficulty in reaching the coast in our canoe everything denoted that we had entered a wild region rarely visited by strangers a few scattered houses formed the village of zapote we found a great number of mariners assembled under a sort of shed all men of colour who had descended the rio sinu in their barks to carry maize bananas poultry and other provisions to the port of cartagena these barks which are from fifty to eighty feet long belong for the most part to the planters haciendados of lorica The value of their largest freight amounts to about 2,000 piastres. These boats are flat-bottomed and cannot keep at sea when it is very rough. The breezes from the northeast had, during ten days, blown with violence on the coast, while in the open sea, as far as ten degrees latitude, we had only had slight gales and a constantly calm sea. In the aerial, as in the pelagic currents, some layers of fluids move with extreme swiftness, while others near them remain almost motionless the zambos of the rio Sino wearied us with idle questions respecting the purpose of our voyage our books and the use of our instruments they regarded us with mistrust and to escape from their importunate curiosity we went to herborize in the forest although it rained they had endeavoured as usual to alarm us by stories of boas traga venado vipers and the attacks of jaguars but during a long residence among the Chama indians of the orinoco we were habituated to these exaggerations, which arise less from the credulity of the natives than from the pleasure they take in tormenting the whites. End of chapter 3.30 Part 1